This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all, to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined on this wonderful day by Matthew Big Booty Blowout Betts. <laughs> Oh, man. When you said the words big booty to start the show here, I was a little concerned what you were going to say there. <laughs> what people are, are probably wondering is, what the heck are you talking about, Kyle? Um, yeah, dude. Yesterday, I mean, is there anything more hashtag dad life than a massive blowout from your newborn in their car seat? I, now I know the answer is, is no. Now, just for those at home, those without kids, or those that, I mean, I know we're in audio format, but need just you know a little bit more of a visual... When we say blowout, what are you talking about here? Oh my gosh, dude. I mean, we are talking about a crime scene. <laughs> I mean, this was so far off the back. <laughs> like, truthfully asking yourself, how is this physically possible? Also, this is uh, our smaller of the two daughters. So how this even happened with her is truly impressive. I was very impressed with, <laughs> with what happened. Um, also, the car seat about 50% covered, which, um, you know, I'm going to have to take the whole thing off and, and we're going to put it back on. It's already been washed, but... I was telling you before we started recording, like I'm already dreading that process because I know it is going to take probably two hours to get that thing back on because getting it off was at least a half hour and there were multiple YouTube videos watched. So if anyone needs me tonight, I will be probably putting the car seat back on and cursing left and right. Dude, this is this is dad life. But what also you have is you have some fresh content for when your child graduates later on. I'm talking like their high school graduation party. You get to play back this clip right now of us, obviously it's going to be an audio format, but you get to tell them like, hey, there are thousands and thousands of listeners all around the world that got to hear about you just dumping your pants. <laughs> I'll make sure I play it at her graduation party. It should be great. No, no, this, this is really good. We are towards the end of the summer here and we're still talking best ball. Today we're going to do a best ball uh, mailbag. <laughs> Dude, it's middle of July. <laughs> Dude, it, well, I feel it with kids that are summer? with kids that are about to be back in school. I feel it, and I know you're just. I think this is what it is for you, Bets. Every day feels the same when you're getting three hours of sleep. Hundred percent. For for those of us out there in the real world, not in the, this crazy baby bubble that you're in, uh, it is actually almost time for school to start back, and we're heading towards August. We're heading towards September. We wanted to kind of take everything we've done in best ball and wrap it up into some mailbag questions. We're even going to throw in some AMA-type questions that people asked. Um, 
So if you want have a question, you can reach out on Twitter. Bets is at the Fantasy PT. I'm at Kyle underscore Borg, and we give special preference. All right, there is some nepotism here with our best ball children. We definitely would give that preference to our Discord members. So if you want to get on the Fantasy Footballers Discord, there is a best ball channel that is still hopping. I still see people all the time asking questions, posting lineups, and the best part about best ball is you have up until September to be able to keep playing this thing. And we would say August is probably a prime time. So quickly explain for listeners why, you know, if you're drafting right now, it's it's the dead of summer, but why is it beneficial for people to draft in August and even early September? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a time of year that more casual people will start to come back into fantasy football world. And if you've been listening to the show in, gosh, April, May, June, I mean, you are one of the the few that are just obsessed with this game as we are. And so welcome to our team. Um, but you're going to be ahead of the curve. And so people are coming back in, jumping in with some really stale ADP. You'll be able to pick off some bad spots for players. And I think at the same time, too, you know, there's always this debate. Do you draft early? Do you draft late? You know, you can draft in July and then Cam Akers shares his Achilles last year. But, you know, in August, if you're playing in Best Ball Mania, there were teams that had Daryl Henderson from, you know, well, I don't even know, round what, 12, 13, 14, something right. like that last year, that now people are taking him in round four. And so, you know, if you already had Daryl Henderson, you're not taking him again in August because you already have excellent value ahead of the curve. So if you're playing in these tournaments, I love to do that kind of approach where I took certain players early, now I take them later, and so much changes. And so we should be willing to adapt our strategy and adapt the players we have exposure to as we get more information, which when training camps get here, we'll have a lot more. You also get to learn from some of your mistakes, player mistakes, evaluation, roster construction. And that's going to be our quick question before we get into the mailbag. What are some of the biggest best ball mistakes you've seen in drafts? And I know you and I have never made any of those at all. Uh, I was in a draft shout with out Jason. To, shout out to Devin DuVernay. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've definitely made way too many of those. Uh, I have done one with Jason where we had... Both of our quarterbacks, same bye week. We had to take a third quarterback at the end. We didn't want to, and that third quarterback was Carson Wentz. So that was painful. I, I mean, the, the thing we talk about a lot in terms of mistakes is people taking players way ahead of ADP to complete a stack. And and I would say I'm guilty of this. I did this the other day where I just really wanted to get Cole Komet, and I had Justin Fields. So, you know, I was 14 picks ahead of ADP. Now, I have the conviction, and I have in my rankings that Cole Komet is the tight end 10. So I'm totally fine taking him ahead of guys like Gesicki, um, you know, Alberto, Pat Fryermuth. Like to me, that's not a big deal, but it is, does still matter in terms of value. I didn't think he would come back, but pl- taking players ahead of ADP is one of the bigger mistakes. But what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I'll real quick hit on something we talked about, I feel like at least five or six times on the show, but it's just, you know, we draft as if we're right. And if you draft as if you're correct, you're, your roster construction should reflect that. So if you start RBRB, I mean, you're counting on those two running backs. Let's say you went, um, I don't know, give me a good example, Kyle, like Christian McCaffrey. And then in round two, you took Leonard Fournette right at the turn. Like if you took those two running backs to start, you're in theory counting on those two scores almost every week. If one of those guys gets injured, you're done anyway. And so you shouldn't be drafting for safety and taking like six running backs, seven running backs in those sort of builds. You should be probably taking five somewhere around there and I think I've seen a lot of that too same thing with wide receivers you know if you start with two or three elite ones right off the bat you're counting on those guys so why are you burning wide receiver draft picks in rounds 11 12 13 where you're just hoping these guys carve out a role like that kind of thing so I would just say make sure you're drafting as if you're correct don't take too many of one position especially if you take that you know 
position early in your draft. Yeah, and it's I've found it's a mistake where if you go all in and say, I'm going to take a bunch of wide receivers, and the rest of your draft kind of zigs while you zagged, then you're going to find the later rounds, there's going to be wide receivers sitting there in terms of ADP, and it's really tempting to say, hey, you know, there's all these wide receivers I can keep, but your build dictates that you needed to take, you know, running backs in those, you know, rounds eight to 10. So you really have to think long term. I would encourage people that draft board you get on underdog, look at that whole thing. Don't just look at the next ADP. And I'll add this in as a big mistake. It's not identifying archetypes for certain positions. So we care about when we when we construct our rosters, are there certain archetypes that allow players to hit a ceiling outcome? So for instance, at quarterback, if you only have pocket passers, your your outcome to find players that can actually be difference makers is really hard. So if you had a roster of just, you know, Derek Carr and Tom Brady, I think that's a fine stack, but there you're missing out in a four point scoring format of some of those rushing quarterbacks. So I try to have builds where if I have a pocket passer like Tom Brady, like I have a team that's Brady and Fields. Now, I bet I could find better combinations, but what I'm asking, what I'm seeing in the quarterback position is I'm identifying players that I think have enough upside at a relative cost. So I would say pairing uh, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady is a big mistake. Like there's not much upside with Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, he can finish as like a top three quarterback, but those rushing quarterbacks just have a better outcome. So with quarterbacks, you need to do that at running back. Whenever you're shooting for the moon at the end of your draft, you need to find running backs with pass catching in their profiles. So if you go in underdogs rankings right now, there are players like JD McKissick and Jarek McKinnon and Chris Evans going basically at the end of your draft where Sony Michelle needs a lot to go right for him to truly pay off when you already have a pass catching running back there with Chase Edmonds. Same thing, like Donta Foreman and Carolina. You need Christian McCaffrey. Like that's that's the reason you'd be drafting him is you're saying the Christian McCaffrey uh, lineup fails. So identify pass catching running backs. That's the archetype I want to finish my draft because, you know, how many usable weeks are you going to get out of JD McKissick? What do you think? It's so tough because I feel like people think of JD McKissick when he had that outlier season, but I'm I'm kind of down on McKissick as even an option this year. Oh, you're Brian Robinson, dude. Best running back ever. Um, No, it's because Carson Wentz is terrible at throwing to running backs. Um, Case in point, Miles Sanders wide open all the time, right over his head. Um, But people expecting that sort of thing from McKissick, I think, are going to be disappointed. So, how many usable weeks you're going to get? Three, four, maybe. Yeah, three. I think you can get three right now. I think with Dante Foreman, it's possible he has zero or one. Like if there's I would no, also argue too, though. There, it's possible he has twelve. Like, what if McCaffrey has a? That's what I'm saying. Is huge injury, right? Like you're that's... drafting based on the archetype what your team needs. If your team needs usable weeks, I'm going to take McKissick. But if your team is banking on McCaffrey going out, and you're going against that McCaffrey team, especially in a big tournament, you're going to take Foreman. But just identify what the archetype is you're looking for. You can do that at wide receiver as well. Uh, late round and then at tight end you know you want to find guys that can catch six seven touchdowns where it's really hard where I don't mind Austin Hooper in terms of like a consistent floor option but he's not going to catch seven touchdowns <laughs> let's clip this and play it back in January when he has like seven on the dot dude I have a lot of Austin Hooper I know you basically haven't drafted him I don't know man I just could he have? What could he have? Like four hundred fifty yards and seven touchdowns? Of course, sure. 
but I don't know. He's just, it's so uninspiring, I guess, is, is kind of the guy that I see in Austin Hooper. Could he have 70 catches? In theory, yes. Likely, probably not. We need to find an Austin Hooper. We need to have a really dumb water bet on some of these players that nobody cares about that we have very different opinions on. And maybe we'll, let's do an article. Players that you and I feel the exact opposite about. And we should. We'll that'd, be, that'd be great, actually, because listeners always give us a hard time because we agree too much. Yeah. No, there's a lot of players that you and I feel differently about. Amon Ra, whoever it is, all, all those kind of players. So we'll, we'll, we'll get something like that out there. I did want to highlight a couple of recent articles. One that you threw out there, 25 things I learned from the fantasy footballers' projections. It even got the Andy stamp of approval in our channel, which basically... I think it was a great summation of going through the UDK, looking at all the ultimate draft kit projections and saying, here are some big takeaways. You basically did a giant thread without being that guy on Twitter that did a giant thread. <laughs> yeah, there were no no thread emojis in the article. But yeah, check it out. Um, I spent an, um, an embarrassing amount of time in the projection section of the UDK over the last week or so. And what's funny is now I like I I know already right now who each guy is higher on because I've looked at their projections so much. Um, but it was a really valuable experience and I chose 25 things that stuck out to me and put a fantasy spin on all of them so that it can help us kind of identify where we want to go in our drafts players. Maybe we're fading, maybe we're targeting, um, one that stuck out to me, like I've been kind of in on Miles Sanders at his ADP, but I also love Jalen Hurts and I was looking at the projections and I'm like, dude, if they are correct in projecting the rushing for Jalen Hurts that he had last year and what they have this year, like Miles Sanders is screwed. And so I would not be drafting them together. That was a huge takeaway for me. And I've done that a couple of times in my best ball drafts, and I will not be doing that anymore. I've definitely done that as well. Um, you basically need a combination of Miles Sanders to get like five plus receiving touchdowns for that yeah. to kind of work out. But I have been taking a stance. If I don't get hurts, I really bullish on Sanders in best ball or vice versa. Like I think those are two players you, like you mentioned, they're correlated in terms of like, Okay, who's going to get the rushing touchdowns? I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to get 10 this year like he did last year. So we'll see. I, I, I love those takeaways, though, because in best ball, we can actually figure out what's some actionable info that we can use. So, yes, check that out on the website. But let's jump in the mailbag. Mailbag. We are going to blitzkrieg through a number of best ball related questions, a couple of AMA, and then some of them that I think kind of apply broader to fantasy and DFS in the fall. If you want to send in those questions, you can do it at the fantasy PT for bets and at Kyle underscore Borg. But once again, the discord channel is the place where people get to tag us. And I feel like I just get to respond way better. It's easy for me to keep up in threads, Twitter. It just kind of gets pushed down. And I, I, I respect that. Also, I would say if you tag one of us and we don't respond to like, please grade my lineup. If you do it in the Discord channel, you will you are guaranteed a response from at least one person. Um, it's a pretty uh, pretty happening spot, wouldn't you say? It's awesome, man. I've loved it. I feel like that's really been something new for the brand. I mean, we've had it, but it's new as like you know, it's really valuable. People are in there talking strategy. Hey, what do you think about this pick? I'm on the clock in round four. Here's my roster to start. What do you think? And so it's been great for the summer. But I also am super excited about it for DFS because there's so much that happens in between our shows and our articles, like especially Saturday night, Sunday morning. Like last year, I was in there Sunday mornings. I'd hop in, grab a cup of coffee, answer a few questions. Here's the news. Here's what I think about it. So I think it's a really valuable resource. And the people in there are super smart, too. So it's not just me and Kyle giving advice. It's, it's really smart people, too. We didn't invite dumb people. Um, it was right. one of the requirements. You had to give your IQ to get in. 
Yeah. No, I mean, we, we've looked at college transcripts and we looked at preschool transcripts and we basically found a good happy medium of people and um yeah no dumb people allowed all right first question from twitter is from trey graham he asks as of recording how many best ball drafts have you done and what's the ballpark number for how many you typically end up having i'll let you start bets yes i'll be very exact with this because i went back and counted and i looked 137 as of right now currently <laughs> kyle's giving me a face Currently Holy. in uh, three slows, so we'll add to that. Uh, but usually, like last year, I think I came in around uh, 100. Didn't do as many as I am this year, and I was thinking about why that is. And truthfully, like last summer, I was out on the golf course. I was <laughs> on vacation. I was doing things. But when you have newborn twins, you are at home a lot. And so when you're chilling and you're holding a baby, I mean, nothing better than whipping out your phone doing best ball. So I plan on doing probably somewhere around the 200-ish range when it's all said and done. Wow, I did not know this, and I think you have a problem. I really do. I'm going to report this to HR. You are you Dude, are drafting best ball while we are supposed to be working. Can I give you a, a quick funny story? Uh, hold on, let me talk to my agent. Sure. Okay, great. I'm glad you ran that by HR first. Um, I actually put this out on, on Twitter today, and I, I sent this to you, so I think you know where I'm going. But I was doing a draft this morning holding the same baby who had the blowout, uh, and I'm on the <laughs> clock. I have... A stack set up. I've got AJ Brown. I've also got Marquise Brown. I've got the Browns. Brown Bros. <laughs> so, the Brown Bros. And I'm waiting to see, you know, do I want to get Kyler? Do I want to get Jalen Hurts? Sure enough, they both fall, both fall to me. And I'm like, all right, who do I want here? And I was just thinking about it. 10 seconds left on the clock. I was like, ah, I've taken a lot of Jalen Hurts. Give me Kyler Murray. Not two seconds after I hit the draft button, she rips one of the largest farts I've heard from her in her small life. Made me laugh so hard. And that just made me so proud as an Eagles fan that we are already setting this, the foundation yes. that it's fly, Eagles, fly all the time over here. So just wanted to point that out there that that's what I'm doing right now when I'm, I'm drafting best ball. You guys think I'm in here with my spreadsheets and all that sort of stuff. No, I'm living the life that um, it's not very glorious at this point in time. <laughs> I feel like that's the reality. Like you're in a room in a best ball draft with, you know, 11 other people. And you think that everybody's just like locked in. Like half the time I'm drafting and doing something else like i put out a clip of us doing you know different stuff around the house uh we did some hot wheels yesterday we did like the like the reality is the way that people are drafting is that's partially a great thing that best ball can work out that way but also uh you can get really distracted and make mistakes you're hoping other people make mistakes i am not close to that bets i'm at around 60 right now and i'll probably end up 100 125 and i asked myself that question what was different because i think i drafted more last year uh, I've been playing a lot more pickleball this year. That'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a remote, so obviously I'm not there for the, the pickle sesh, but yeah, you've got to put in hours dude to, to refine the craft and get on the court. It, it really isn't a thing with HR where, you know, we finish recording. Everyone does what they're supposed to do. We're not a lazy group, but, uh, but this is, this is what we do as, as a company. So yeah, I would say some people are worried. They're like, I'm not going to max out. We, we always say, come back to what your goals are. And I would say my personal goals for best ball is this is an aid for what I get to do for redraft and what I get to do for DFS. We talked about last week how you leverage best ball in other formats. And then I want to enter a couple of high-end tournaments and let that be my team. Like I, I do best ball mania, uh, the puppy too. I got in a lot of different entries there. I love throwing out, you know, simple $3 casual ones, 12 man tournaments in little leagues, but you, uh, we'll, we'll share this now. You, me, and Jason have joined forces as a trifecta, 
in the Great Dane Tournament on Underdog. And we split the cost because it is a $1,000 entry. And I think you and I said, this is our one big team. We're doing this. We did last year the Big Dog Tournament together. We split that one. This is a step up for us. But I think this is more like a company bonding experience. Is that is that it how is, you take yeah. it? Definitely. I mean, we'll be sweating this team together, which is fun. It's always fun when you have some skin in the game, not only for yourself, but someone else with you. But like last year when Debo was having these insane games, like I would, I would text Kyle and be like, dude, the big dog team, Debo, like that's our boy. And um, and it's funny because we didn't even want him on the team, but uh, we'll have that same experience this year. We'll see how we do. We drew the 12 spot, have yet to make a pick, but we'll be sure to report back maybe on next week's show what's going on. Yeah. And who knows? It's an eight hour clock, so it could go super slow. But I would I would tell people if you're worried about how to join a ton of different tournaments and whatnot, like find one that you can do with a friend and let that be your team. Um, let that be the team that you guys go in together that you guys say like, this is somebody we can root for because during the season, it's really hard to do that unless you co-manage a team. Next question from Twinkle Toes on Discord. How do you guys feel about the hero running back strategy in best ball? One where you draft one stud, then fade a running back for a few rounds while you draft other positions. Also, Kyle, at any point in your life, has someone called you Kyborg, as in Cyborg? I'll answer that that part real quickly, okay? Kyborg is, uh, is one I've gotten a lot. Brooks actually calls me that all the time, Kyborg. Um, I've gotten Borg a lot. I think that was one of the, the common ones. Kborg. And then my brother, all of his friends call him Borgo. Um, I, I like that too. But uh, here, they call me the Borgogan, which isn't my favorite, but I'll take it for like a, a deucer name. <laughs> uh, that's just so funny still to me. I can't wait for the deuce cam, by the way. Are you excited for that? Dude, people are pretty hype about the deuce cam, and we've talked about what that what that looks like. We've talked about if the camera pans back, and it's just like the top of our heads, so like no one can actually <laughs> see what we look like, and they just see like our heads bobbing up and down. But I think the three of us back there... We want to, we're all like people that want to help. We want to contribute, but we're like, please don't put the spotlight on me. We're, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that gets added in. And if, if we're just hideous, if people just say, we don't even want to look at those people. I mean, we'll see what the YouTube comments are, dude. People are ruthless out there. People are mean in the YouTube streets. Let's go back to hero RB strategy real quick though. So this strategy, let's, let's say you get the one Oh two and you get Christian McCaffrey and you're saying he's going to be the guy or, Austin Eckler, somebody else at the very beginning of your draft, Jonathan Taylor. What is your general feel? And I'm going to follow up with some stats, but like, is this something that you employ a lot when you get one of those first picks and you get a stud running back? Yes, I love this strategy personally. Um, you know, like you said, if you take one of those stud running backs, you're relying on their score, you know, most weeks. Of course, there's going to be a week here or two where it doesn't work out for you, but you're drafting as if you're right. And so, yes, if you take Christian McCaffrey, even though he's burned us a couple years in a row, you're counting on him to be one of your two running back scores, you know, most weeks. And so it, it would be silly for you to then just load up on three or four running backs out of the gate in the first four or five rounds. Um, so yes, I love the strategy. Typically when I do go for it, you know, I'm taking one of them in the first two rounds. There's a bunch that I feel comfortable with, with this year specifically. Like I would even extend it personally to a Saquon Barkley or a Leonard Fournette that wow. drops a little bit. So I'm comfortable with that if you feel like the wide receivers are stronger in the middle rounds. And then from there, I'm going into, you know, my RB2 spot looking for guys like, based off the top of my head in ADP, like Melvin Gordon, Chase Edmonds, James Cook, kind of that range is kind of where I'm looking to uh, pull the trigger next, basically. 
So I'm going to give you some numbers kind of last couple of years about hero running back strategy and how that worked. Um, I did pull some numbers from an article from Tom Straken from Fantasy Pros. So some great data out there if you want to Google that. Um, but basically, the hero running back strategy, if you were to compare that to zero RB, where generally you're not taking a running back to at least the fifth round, sixth round, wherever, or the robust RB, the high T approach, where you say, I'm going to take you know two, three running backs, three running backs right off the start. Um, it was way more successful last year in terms of advance rate for underdog. It beat the expected advance rate of 16.6, and the average for hero running back lineups was over 20%, compared to zero RB, which wasn't great last year, um, and robust RB. But I think the conversation for this, when you say, what, does this strategy work? I think any strategy can work. I think we both agree. Like If you pick the right players, yes, um, that's that's kind of simplifying it. In 2020, so two years ago, it kind of depended on which early running back you decided to jump on board, right? If you did Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, who were the first two picks, you were done, right? Like you're, Those squads were completely toast. If you did Zeke, he had a down year. But Alvin Kamara was the RB1. Dalvin Cook was great. Derrick Henry was unbelievable. Like in the first round, if you just said, I want to do hero RB, and you picked those guys, it was great. Last year, if you try to do hero RB, depending on where you, it was bad, right? Like first round running backs overall did not come through. The main guys that, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was awesome. Austin Eckler was kind of like a one-two turn, but I'm assuming most people didn't go hero RB with him. So I would say it can work, but more than anything, it just matters if your running backs hit, right? Yeah, exactly. And I also want to point out too, like I'm not entering my draft saying this this draft in particular, I'm going hero RB. Like if, you know, I if I take one early and then all of a sudden in like round, I don't know, round five or, or someone drops super far, like Brees Hall, if he's sitting there in round five or six, like I'm taking Brees Hall. Like it's just an insane value. So don't necessarily get locked in based on what you want to do. If it works out and the ADPs line up for you and the value doesn't fall in a certain way where you should change, then, then go for it. I think there's definitely... You know, like you said, upside to doing it, but also downside. And that's why you draft a bunch of teams and you do a bunch of different strategies. And hopefully you kind of hit the right ones when it matters to win some money. I, I have a team right now that started McCaffrey at the 102. And then at the 4-5 turn, I have Brees Hall. And then I have Chase Edmonds, where I wouldn't call that a hero running back strategy because Brees Hall, I saw as a value. But the way that I approach that draft when I drafted McCaffrey is he's my guy. If I get value, I will jump and get a running back, but I feel comfortable that he, if I'm drafting him here, he's going to be in that slot. And I'm going to use the score almost every single week. So just think about that as you're building your roster. Don't just lock into a strategy. All right, before the next question, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Let's blaze through some more questions here. This one's from Discord from Gnome Child. Great avatar, by the way, here. Uh... Who are you taking with your last pick, a.k.a. pass pick 200 in best ball? This is something we discussed uh, on Thursday's show on Fantasy Footballers in the underdog best ball segment, but throw out a couple named bets that you like. Yeah, for sure. A couple running backs that I've been taking, just kind of throwing a dart, and, and that's what you're doing here. You know, we don't feel confident in them, but I've been targeting a little bit of Jeff Wilson recently, just before training camp to see... Like, is he actually running as the two? Maybe he's not. Maybe those picks look silly. But if he is, his ADP will climb. So I won in on that early. I like Chris Evans. I think we feel decently confident. He'd be the guy if anything happened to Joe Mixon. And then I'm also throwing a dart at Eno Benjamin right now just to see, like, were the reports from minicamp true that he is running as the running back two instead of Darrell Williams? Because I took a ton of Darrell Williams early. And so I want to kind of hedge that bet. For wide receivers, I've been throwing a dart at Quez Watkins. If I take um, Jalen Hurts, He's a guy who would play, I think, in almost every snap if anything happened to A.J. Brown um, or Devonta Smith. And then Zay Jones, like, he's uninspiring, but he's going to be playing in, in three wide receiver sets for Jacksonville. And if our boy Marv, sadly, is on the decline, which I think he kind of is, <laughs> if he is, if Zay Jones earns the starting job, he could be playing in two wide receiver sets with Trevor Lawrence. So those are the guys I've been targeting in round 18. I feel like Marv Jones will forever be like a top five person in my heart. Um, but in best, oh, easy. but in best ball, I'm not, I'm just, I'm taking him if he falls, but I'm not like targeting like I did last year and it definitely didn't work out last year. Right. I mean, if you took a Jaguar, it did not work out last year. I'm trying to think Sh- if that's true. Shout out to our boy Urban Meyer. That's, that's probably true. I don't, I, I could look back and I would at Laquan Treadwell. If you took him, I bet he had a good advance rate. Uh, yes. Cause he was going around 18. Yes. Uh, maybe not. It wasn't super. Or was, my boy. It was using Jamal Agnew. Jamal Agnew, <laughs> took Jamal for Agnew last year. If you did, please take a screenshot. Oh, I guess you can't. It's too late. But just at me on Twitter and let me know if you did because that would make me very happy. That would. Uh, I'll throw out a couple names. Chris Evans, the Cincinnati running back. Terrace Marshall Jr., I'm still in. Jalen Guyton is probably one of my favorite darts to throw at the very end. He had a stretch last year. We had three touchdowns uh, three weeks in a row. Or a touchdown three weeks in a row. James Brochet. He is the Ravens. Could be the two with Devin Duvernay. I don't know. One of those two will. But I'm putting out an article, Best Ball Tournament Dart Throws. If you want to check that out on the site, I am uh, extending that list if you want to give some players. All right, next question. This is from at Kevin V. Sims on Twitter. When drafting in Best Ball for larger multi-entry tournaments, how necessary is it to audit and keep track of your players so you're not too concentrated? What are some of the methods to do this? In Underdog, you can see your exposure rates. If you go to your completed, you can do that. You can also download it in CSV format. So that's one way I get to look at it. But uh, Bets, how do you kind of take the players that you've 
drafted and then adjust for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think about this in a couple ways. And kind of the first one is just like, have I been drafting a lot of drafts recently and doing it in a certain way? So like, am I drafting a ton of teams going RBRB in rounds one and two? Well, then my exposure rate is probably pretty low to CD Lamb and Stefan Diggs and, you know, Mike Evans. And those are like, you want those players and you want exposure to them because they can all be the wide receiver one this year. No one would be shocked about that. So you want to have some exposure to those kind of guys. So I think about how I've been drafting and maybe don't get locked into a certain way. And then also too, like, I don't know about you, but it just feels like for me, I have a couple guys in certain rounds that like I just gravitate to for some reason, whether it's the archetype that I like, or I like just the situation or whatever it is. You know, I've been vocal. I love Ramondi Stevenson this year, but I can't always take Ramondi Stevenson where he goes because if he doesn't work out, I'm going to look silly and I have too much of him. So Think about it that way. But yeah, the easiest way is if you're drafting an underdog, they tell you right there, um, which I, I think is valuable. And I think if you think about this from a DFS lens, like there are certain weeks where we would probably hit a lock button on a player to get 100% exposure. But most weeks, it's not the case. And so just think about that from that lens. You know, if you are all in on a guy and it doesn't work out, like your expected value coming back is not as good as it could be. I sorted the other day by rookie wide receivers, and I've been very vocal about Chris Olave. He will end up being my highest exposure player. But I also gave myself a check to say, okay, which guys have I not really drafted that much? And Sky Moore was one of those players where Sky Moore could finish as the rookie wide receiver one this year. Um, he could be the one in Kansas City. It's not likely. Like I would put my money on Juju in terms of just overall targets, but it could be Sky Moore. And so I found myself in that range when Sky Moore was going you know, around Tyler Lockett and some of these other players, like I just hadn't been taking him very much. And so I made a conscious decision. Hey, if he's there and I want to correlate him with some of my other teams and other combinations, like let's throw in sky more. Like he could be the second half rookie wide receiver. He could be this year's Amon Ra, right? He could be. Yeah, for sure. I think it's the, I think it's the kind of archetype of a slot wide receiver who goes off the end of the year. He could do it. All right. Next question is from at AJ Passman. Who's actually, one of our new writers. So uh, yeah, go ahead and follow him on Twitter. Uh, what is the biggest difference of opinion you and the Fantasy PT have in your overall approach to DFS? So what would you say is our biggest difference in terms of how we approach things? I'll just say I'm naturally more of a contrarian. So I like going against the grain more. I was I was going to actually say that, that you generally are much more of a volume GPP, GPP player. I still play them, but like I build my bankroll each season by playing cash mostly and i've had a couple of really nice tournament weeks here and there but like when i look back on the season for me as a player and how i play i look back at how i did in cash and that generally kind of tells me what my season was like whereas you you know you're definitely more that gpp life you know i know a couple of years ago i don't know if you're still this way you were the the 150 guy you were running the optos you were uploading your csvs like a two, true dfs bro um that is not the life for me personally but I respect that if that is your life. I've definitely slowed down uh, over, you know. You've gotten just, more mature. I've grown. I've grown emotionally. <laughs> but also, uh, it's just a lot to handle. I would say, so you're way better at showdown than me. You've had more success, I would definitely say, showdown. So I feel like I've learned a lot from from that angle. Because I used to just say, let me play a showdown. Let me put in 150 lineups. In one game, there's so much chaos. I'll just let it figure it out. And I've had some success. But I would say... You are better at taking stances in showdown. Um, and writing that cash article has been super helpful for me to kind of understand the process and kind of actually get a view of like, here's how I do and I'm accountable to it. 
But yes, I like being contrarian for the right reasons. Like I'm not just going to play stupid, but like if there's a popular running back, I will ask, what do I have to gain here? And I do like that. That that's a, it's almost a better feeling for me. <laughs> Even if I don't win, if I just said I faded the chalk, like that's a, that's a really good feeling. So uh, yeah, we're a little different than that. Next one from Jay Chris, one of our discord mods. He said, how is dad life bets? Have you discovered your dad's superpower yet? Dad life can be summed up basically in, in the start of the show, <laughs> with the car seat situation. Um, it's chaos every day, but it's super fun. And, um, you know, as exhausting as it is, it's super rewarding. So it's been great. Um, for my dad, superpower, I, like I never used to be someone that could just do stuff with one hand and not even think about it. But now, like you're always holding something in one hand, whether it's the kid, the car seat, you know, diaper bag, whatever it is. So cooking breakfast, pouring coffee, making the bed, just whatever it is, one hand, uh, way more efficient than I ever used to be in the past. I would say my superpower as a dad is... I'm pretty good at coming up with games on the fly or turning something into a game at any time where I think it's easy for a kid if they, you know, want to do something and they don't get their expectation met where I can just quickly flip this into, ooh, let's do this or this is a fun game and I actually get excited about playing these games too. So coming up with games on the fly is a really fun task, especially with two boys. So, uh, yeah, you got to be real creative and on the fly and figure things out as a dad because, uh, Life doesn't go the way you plan because there's somebody else here now. Learning this very quickly. Thank you. (laughs) Next one, at Brandon Hilliard on Twitter. Where do you prefer betting NFL futures? What's your preference on platform to use for in-season betting and what type of bets do you tend to gravitate towards? I'll let you handle that one first. Yeah, so, I mean, I generally would advise people if you are trying to take this decently seriously you should probably get some access to a couple of different books because the futures market is nuts. I mean, you can find a line for to lead the league in passing. For example, with Justin Herbert this year, I took it on FanDuel. It was plus 800. Over on DraftKings, it was plus 500. I mean, that you never see that in like Chiefs minus three. It's, it's minus three everywhere, right? You don't get that sort of um, positive EV type of move in these uh you know these these lines in this sort of situation you do so if you're taking it seriously you should probably have access to a couple different books but i do a lot on DraftKings, a lot on fanduel those are two easy ones especially now that i'm in pennsylvania where it's legal um so for me that's that's kind of where i go and then as far as my preference on what type of bets i like i am not the the lines and totals guy just it's such a hard game to beat player props is where it's at we had a lot of fun doing that in the playoffs last year we're talking about adding a lot of that hopefully to our product this year we'll see what happens but um yeah i put an article a couple weeks ago about season-long player props check that out i'll keep adding to it each week so um those are definitely the softest markets i play on DraftKings sportsbook the most not just because they've been a sponsor but i just find that it's pretty easy pretty user-friendly and it's really simple for us like when we post something as a company just to all go in on that for props underdog is great for over under but over under is actually not like uh, the pick'em is not available in Arizona, so I could do that in Arizona, but I, or in Atlanta, but I can't do that here. So that's that's kind of different. Um, prize picks, I think you and I would say, are easier to pick off lines. Like they're a little just softer in general, and their bonuses are really great. So I, I recommend Prize Picks, not a sponsor. Um, those are really fun. But in season, I would say one that I enjoy is if I'm gonna do, um, you know, just you know, Chiefs Broncos. I'm going to figure out the team implied totals 
because I think those are a little bit easier. Remember there was that stretch where I was just like, bets, the Jaguars, bet they're under of their team implied total because <laughs> it happened like 14 weeks straight or whatever. Yep, I remember that. That was fun. Yep, and I still, I will say, our company for like a, a Monday night game or Thursday night game for fun, we do like a really big parlay where everybody just goes in on it and nobody makes any money, but there's a lot of sweat and a lot of, I mean, there's there's been a couple times where like Mike, has sweated out something where he's about to win $10,000 and somebody's like one reception short or something. Yep. And to be clear, those are terrible bets. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you're trying to take this seriously, do not do that. But they are a lot of fun. And like you said, they're, um, they're a nice sweat. I would say like, think about this. You go out to eat with your friends. You go see a movie, what, a concert, whatever. You're paying, you know, 50 bucks for one night, maybe more, $100, $200. So, to watch a game with your friends and put down 10, 15 bucks and you sweat it out. And like, I think that's not the worst way for someone to spend their money, but yes, we would agree from like a serious perspective, not the best way. All right. On discord from rain man, 1395. Why is fields not being prioritized by you guys? Like Lance, I'm extremely bullish on him and I have a ton of shares. Am I wrong? So I took this question a little bit personally, Betts. Because Ooh. I I looked at my exposures. Do you want to know who my highest exposure quarterback is right now? I'm going to guess it's Justin Fields. It is Justin Fields. Uh, my highest exposure best ball quarterback right now. Because it's probably going to be a quarterback that goes from, from that like 10 to 15 range or maybe somebody else. Now, I have a bunch of teams that have Trey Lance that's going to push him over the edge over Fields. But I feel very comfortable. My top four quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Trey Lance. That sounds like the most on-brand thing ever based on what we've talked about on this podcast. I love it. Yeah, I love when the exposures line up. You know, we're we're here, we're in this with you guys, and we're actually taking the players that we talk about. So um, it's good to see. As far as the question, like I see the case for Fields. Don't get me wrong. If he comes out and runs for 800 yards, like he's probably going to be a great fantasy quarterback, right? But I think when you talk about Lance and Fields, the argument for both of them is like the rushing upside is great. But the obvious thing is like, who the heck is Justin Fields throwing the football to? Nikhil Harry, Valus Jones. I mean, it's going to be bad. And there is just more systemic risk in this team that it could go south super quick. Not that things can't go south with Lance, as we saw last year. Uh, but, you know, if we look at Vegas lines, they're telling us this is still going to be a great team. I mean, their team total was at what, 10, 10 and a half wins. Um, and so the weapons are there, the coaching staff is there. There's just more that I think you feel more confident in. That said, if if Justin Fields comes out and scores more fantasy points than um Trey Lance, no one should be absolutely shocked by that by any means. Yeah. And it's just it comes down to for me, I need to have rushing quarterbacks in this scoring format. I need to. I need to prioritize them. So I think Jalen Hurts is like my fifth, my fifth most. Like I I I'm not personally bullish on Jalen Hurts as like a talent. Like I would actually, I would love to fade the Eagles, not just for you bets, but just in the sense of like, and when a team is hype like that, like your Eagles and your Lions are the two hype teams. I would love to fade both those teams, but I recognize the upside with his rushing. You're so wrong. It's not even funny. I'm glad we're on the same page about the Ravens. <laughs> I feel like we're on the same page about the Vikings. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's so easy to stack them too with their value outside of Justin Jefferson. I mean, it's it's a great team to get exposure to. Um, we love all their pieces, especially when you talk about 
Like, okay, you miss out on Dalvin. Grab Alexander Madison. Like, even if things don't go right for Dalvin, you're still going to have, we think, a great running back in Madison. And we love, 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 love what Kirk Cousins can do as your quarterback, too. All right, let's do a couple more questions before rapid round here. Just next one's from at Rush QBs are broken on Twitter. It's a good question. I've heard the other ballers' stories, but how did you guys meet your wives? I love the show. So I'll let you go first, and I'll, I'll keep mine succinct, too. Sure, yeah. Um, very simple story, nothing crazy. Uh, we actually lived in the same uh, dorm our freshman year of college, uh, two floors apart. Let's just say she saw me moving in, and oh, yeah, she just she, she couldn't pass. You know, she couldn't pass on it. But the reality is we actually were um, really good friends and part of the same friend group for about a year and a half to two years before I took the plunge. And um, I guess, as they say, the rest is history. You guys went to Chili's, didn't you? I mean, dude, we actually did a couple times. We talk, I mean, we had a whole show about Chili's first dates, right? And how, statistically <laughs> speaking, it's higher than you would think. Oh, yes. It, it, and it, listeners, like Kyle, what Kyle's referencing is there's a good chance you listening to this show have taken a date to Chili's. And if you say that you haven't, you are definitely fooling yourself because it is an elite first place for a date. I've definitely skewed some of the statistics in terms of my first dates and Chili's. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a bar and grill. I mean, you get both. You get the best of both worlds. And <laughs> I believe last time we talked about this, Chili's like added us on Twitter and tagged us. And, you know, we didn't get any gift cards, though. <laughs> that was, yeah, what the heck is that? We just gave him free publicity. Could, couldn't even send us a free app, you know? Come on. I know. If Applebee's is listening, I won't eat there, but I'll take your gift cards. Uh, let's just uh, <laughs> I'll turn that in. Um, mine is pretty simple, too. We met in college. And we were part of the same friend group for five years before we ever started dating. And for some people, they're like, man, that took you a long time. We just, we were good friends and we kind of dated other people. But um, yeah, when I asked Emma out on a date, uh, one of her best friends was one of her bridesmaids. She said, Kyle, like, don't be surprised if Emma doesn't like you. And I was just like, <laughs> what? So what are you uh, supposed to do with that information? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I asked her on a date. But the, Emma and I were so close that she didn't like fully realize it was a date. I said, hey, would you like to go to dinner with me on this night? And of course, at the Chili's, she said, yes. Does that sound like a date to you? It does to me, yes. Thank you. Now, there's a much longer story, which I will not get here. Maybe it's, it will make for a really good Twitter thread. But the time I, I realized that I loved my wife and that I wanted to marry her was when I walked on the side of the road for three days. And after the second day is when I found out, I think I love this woman. So, but it took me three go. days on the side of the road. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> that makes me sound like a crazy person, doesn't it? A little bit, yes. Okay, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'll expand that story at another time. All right, one more question before we wrap around the storm. At Mike Pellegrini, great podcast and articles, guys. I've heard you talk about correlating Week 17 matchups for best ball, but what about correlating divisions? In other words, let's say you think the AFC West will be the highest scoring division. Would you want players from all four teams on your roster? I'll first just say, you look at those four teams, right? Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders. Those are some ADPs that are jacked up. Like, they're way up there. You're not going to be able to find the discounts. I mean, there's players that, yes, you know, Tim Patrick, Melvin Gordon, uh, the Kansas City wide receivers. But for the most part, you can't just say, I want all the AFC West because everybody's priced up, right, in the first couple of rounds. So how would you approach this, and are you thinking about building your rosters that way? I mean, I'm not necessarily targeting certain divisions. I mean, there's definitely 
teams in certain divisions that we like a lot more and this is what this is the perfect example so i'm targeting these teams not because of the division but just because the quarterbacks the players that sort of thing but what's funny about this question is that if you look at the week 17 schedule a lot of the matchups are divisional matchups not all of them but there's definitely a bunch in there you know miami and new england play um we have the vikings and the packers playing so there's a bunch of them in there just naturally so you know i'm not really factoring this in again i'm just kind of more again correlating week 17 with the matchups that are there not necessarily divisions it's time for rapid round all right we're gonna blaze quickly through these last couple ones from connor scott if there is a player you could remove from best ball because you don't want to draft him for health reasons, current situation, but you also don't want someone else to draft him, who would it be, Betts? I'm just scared to be wrong about Michael Thomas. You know, I mean, there's a lot. It's just a wide range of outcomes. Like, he's he's been so productive. He's been so good. But this injury, it's been so long. It's a new quarterback. It's a new scheme. I haven't taken a lot of him, and I'm just terrified to be wrong. I'm the same way. I kind of do want people to take him and me just be right about Chris Olave. That would make me feel even smarter. But uh, my answer go. my answer is DeAndre Hopkins. I haven't been taking him. Uh, the reason you would take him is you say he comes back and he's a top, what, 8, 10 wide receiver, and he just balls out in the playoffs. I just, I'm terrified of the outcomes. I haven't been taking him, and I hope he doesn't go off for other people. Like, that would just ruin me from an exposure standpoint. Next one from Cash is 89. Is it worth taking Jimmy G super late in drafts based on the possibility he goes to the Seahawks or wherever? And how would this change your outlook on a team like Seattle? <laughs> um, I just need to give a little insight here. You were in the dock before me this morning or yesterday, it looks like. And I log in and I see this question. Kyle just literally writes, nope, period. <laughs> um, I will give you a little bit more analysis behind this. <laughs> Um, the reality is if you're taking Jimmy G and you're thinking about it, that he goes to the Seahawks. I mean, do you want Jimmy G on a run first team where he is going there to hand the ball off over and over again, just to hope that he like hits in the fantasy playoffs? I mean, historically his QB one percentage is super, super low. Going back to 2018, he started 39 games. He's finished as a QB one, AKA top 12, just nine times. That's just over 20%. I will fade that and hope that, that he doesn't have that. And he, if he, he does, you know, great. And I'll be willing to take the L. It's really hard to take players on the hope that maybe they go to this other team in best ball. And I get you're trying to get ahead of the curve. That's what you did with Baker Mayfield. And like with Baker, it moved him up from, you know, in my mind, QB 27 to QB 23 or four. Like it's not a huge needle mover. It more helps the other weapons there. So I guess you could talk yourself into Seattle weapons a little bit. But yeah, I don't want any Jimmy G doesn't run the ball. Um, and a four point passing is just not, there's not an upside and he doesn't get like passing yard bonuses just for me. No, thank you. Uh, from real blaze swift, peanut M&Ms or regular M&Ms. Oh, easy peanut. Every time peanut butter is one of my weaknesses. I'll say when it comes to food, love it. And, uh, I'll take the peanut M&Ms over the regular every day. Uh, my answer is no, neither. Don't like them. Don't care about M&Ms. They don't matter to me. I haven't eaten them since I was, I don't know, six. I tried them. Didn't like them. And, uh, you a Skittles guy? Uh, I don't even eat like Skittles. I could eat Starburst all day. I could eat favorite okay. Starburst and I could eat sour Starburst, but M&Ms, they will probably never touch my lips the rest of my life. What a quote. I know that's, <laughs> <laughs> they will never touch my lips. Cause that's how you eat them. You just put them on your lips, right? Yep. <laughs> it's just what you do. 
All right, last one on Discord. Do you ever grab a player based on ADP? Basically, it is a screaming value, but you really don't need that position. Yes, when someone falls just a ridiculous you know, amount of spots past where they're going. This actually happened to me the other day. I took, I think it was Jalen Hurts, and then Tom Brady fell about 25 spots after ADP. I wasn't planning to go quarterback, quarterback in that range, but if you're going to give me Tom Brady couple rounds after where he normally goes because i'm already bullish on tom brady like i'm gonna take tom brady as my quarterback too so that's one example but yes if there is a screaming value i will go for it because historically best ball advance rates have shown if you are taking players past their adp when they fall generally that is a great pick yeah i did that with pratt fryer muth where i just hadn't been taking him and we've been down he's actually on our bus list in the udk and and his adp and underdog is just still sitting what tight end 12 he just like hasn't moved it's like 125 or something like that he's just in a spot where i'm just never thinking to take him he fell three and a half rounds so he just kept sitting there and i had a build where i was gonna take three tight ends so at this point i said i that's totally fine and i believe i had lamar on that team so uh ravens steelers week 17 i said hey this is gonna give me a different line of construction than i think a lot of other people i did take one the other day that I've been taking no J.K. Dobbins. I've been taking your medical advice, but he did fall a full three rounds. So am I a fool of taking him as my RB3? I mean, what's so wild about like injury analysis is that people usually don't understand. There's like the cost is so important of what you're talking about. And this year, I'm super bullish on, on Saquon. Last year, when he was going at like pick 12, what he has to do compared to where he was going early in the offseason in the third round is so different. Give me all the risk in round three. And, you know, J.K. Dobbins, I do think starts out either on pup or very, very slow. I know he kind of dunked on rap sheet for that, but we'll we'll see. We have plenty of time to figure out what's going on. But if you take him three rounds past where his ADP is, he's not supposed to do what he's supposed to do for you if you take him in round five. And so if he starts out on pup or very slow, yeah, give me J.K. Dobbins in round eight if he gives you like, five rb1 weeks across the final eight or nine games like that is definitely in the range of outcomes so if he falls far enough i'll i'll even take him too that's gonna wrap up our mailbag episode fans footballers dfs podcast once again if you want to reach out to bets or i we are friendly folk on twitter uh not we're not mean in the streets but if you want to face us in the lobby like in the underdog lobby oh our bets in the dk lobby when when it's season now it's on now that's, it's on. That's uh, that's when it's rough. But yeah, if you want to get all of our content, you go to fansfootballers.com and get the Ultimate Draft Kit, Ultimate Draft Kit Plus with the DFS Pass. We are releasing right now, starting in August, some DFS strategy pieces that we think will help you take down some tournaments. So make sure you check that out at ultimatedraftkit.com. Bets, sign us off. For M&Ms, for Chili's, for First Dates Everywhere, and, uh, and for a great show. Have a great weekend. Mow your lawn. We will see you in the underdog lobby, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.